Good morning. My, my name is Mitchell Slater. I want to welcome any of you who are visiting. We're so glad to have you. Um, if you're tuning in on the live stream, we are uh, happy that you're listening in. And our text for this morning is going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. So let's turn to Ephesians 5. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15, 16, and 17. So hear now the words of the one true and living God. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And we thank you for your word. We know that it is breathed out by your Holy Spirit, and it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here among us as our teacher, and that you would teach us more about you, teach us your will for our lives, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. It's profitable for reproof. And we ask that you would expose any areas of our lives that do not line up with this text. It's profitable for correction. Pray that you would correct any false thinking or any false beliefs. And it's profitable to train us to be men and women of God, fully equipped and ready for every good work. So speak, O Lord. For your servants are listening. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Amen. We are living in difficult days. A global pandemic, racial tensions, acts of violence, mass rioting. Verse 16 of our text says that the days are evil. And I think that we would all heartily agree. But what do we do? How are we supposed to live in these evil days? Well, we might look at verse 15 of our text and see that Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. And we could think, great, I just need to be careful. I'll just... I'll hunker down, I'll go into isolation, I'll avoid other people, and I'll avoid the world's problems. But that's actually the opposite of what Paul is calling us to here. Last week we saw that that we are to walk as children of light, and that means to not just avoid the darkness, but to expose 
the darkness that's around us. And Paul, he's just continuing that thought here. He's really telling us practically how to do that. And I believe that that these three verses could be summarized like this. In the midst of evil days, we need need wisdom to redeem our God-given opportunities and to know God's will. In the midst of evil days, we need wisdom to redeem our God-given opportunities and to know God's will. So first, let's look at at our need for wisdom in verse 15. Let's read that verse again. Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now you you kids, you might have uh, played this game before. You adults played it many years ago. Called The Floor is Lava. You know that game? I think there's actually a show about it now, but I haven't seen it. But um, you, you pretend the floor is is lava, and you can't touch it, right? If you touch the floor, you lose. So you have to find creative ways to, to climb over the furniture or to set things out that you can walk on to make sure that you don't touch the floor. And to win at that game, you have to be very careful about each step that you take to make sure that you, you don't touch the floor. Paul is telling us here, he's saying, Look carefully, or we could say pay close attention then how you walk. Be very careful with how you live your life. And he's telling us not to live as unwise, which is the same thing as being foolish. We see that in verse 17. But to walk in wisdom. But we need to know what wisdom is. Now, we often think about wisdom as just something that's in our head as maybe knowledge or understanding or intelligence. But that's that's really not the way the Scripture talks about wisdom. That's, That's part of it, but it's a small part. Now, I'm so thankful that we've been going through the book of Proverbs on Sunday mornings in our public reading of Scripture, that we just got to read Proverbs 10. And if we want to understand what wisdom is, that's a good place to go. The Bible is a book that's full of wisdom. And as a family, uh, we've been reading through Proverbs over breakfast for the last few months. And the definition of wisdom that I've been using for the kids is this. Wisdom is living life God's way. It's about the most simple way that I could put it. Wisdom is living life God's way. Foolishness is living life our own way, or really living life any other way besides God's. Wisdom is the skill of living life God's way. These verses from Proverbs should be familiar to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Wisdom is living life God's way. It's not just about what we know, but it's taking what we know about God's word and God's world and actually applying it, actually living in accordance with it. So Solomon is helpful to us in Proverbs, but so is the Apostle James. 
And in James's epistle, in chapter 3, he says this, in verses 13 through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. You see, again, wisdom has to do with with our conduct, with how we live. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Does that sound familiar? Does that describe so much of what we're seeing around us today? We are surrounded by worldly wisdom trying to fix the world's problems apart from God and His Word. But, the, but this wisdom, the wisdom of the world, is not from God. He says it's not from above. It's actually demonic. But keep reading. In verses 17 and 18, James says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Doesn't that sound like what we need right now? We need to be open to reason, full of mercy, peaceful. Now we can think, this world is so foolish. We just need people to get it together and be wise. But I think Paul would turn this back around and ask, let's talk about you. How are you living? Are you adding to the world's foolishness or is your conduct displaying God's wisdom? Going back to Ephesians 5 and verse 15, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. He doesn't say to to pay close attention to everyone else around you. He says, pay attention to the way you are living your life. See, Jesus, He sends us out to serve Him in a dark world, so we need to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So if we're supposed to live life God's way, what exactly does that look like? What is God's way? And in our passage today, He's going to give us two answers, really, in verses 16 and 17. So so first, in verse 16, Paul tells us, To redeem our God-given opportunities. To redeem our God-given opportunities. Let's read verse 16 again. Paul says, Walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. In my day job... I'm a corporate trainer. And, and one of the courses that I teach is on time 
management skills. So in your typical time management material, some of the topics you'll go over are things like uh, prioritizing, goal setting, delegation, creating daily planners, setting deadlines, etc., etc. That is not what I'm going to be talking about today. Paul was not a personal coach trying to help Christians with their productivity. Ephesians 5.16 is not a verse about time management. It's a verse about time redemption. He was focused on much bigger issues. Now, to help us understand what Paul means, it's helpful to look at the word that he chose to use for time. He says, make best use of the time. And there are several Greek words for time, but I want to talk about two of them. Chronos and kairos. So let's learn some Greek. Everybody say chronos. All right. Everybody say kairos. All right. You're speaking very good Greek. All right. Now, chronos time is the way that we typically think about things. It's where we get our word chronological. It has to do with the, the sequence of events. It's dealing with the, the, the quantity of times. So we have 24 hours in a day. We have uh, 60 minutes in an hour. We need to you know, use all of those like an uh, efficient machine, right? That's how we think. But Paul didn't use that word. He used the word kairos. Now, kairos time has to do not with the, the quantity, but with the quality of time. So examples would be phrases like, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year, or, or times have been rough lately. You could think of Mordecai's words to Esther. Perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. So while, while Kronos time deals with hours and minutes and seconds, Kairos time deals with opportunities and moments and seasons. So we, we need to switch, have a switch from purely, a purely Kronos time mindset to a Kairos mindset. Uh, the NIV actually translates this, this verse uh, quite well. It says, make the most of every opportunity. That's getting more at the, at the point. Not just time, but opportunities. Now, there's another important word in verse 16. The ESV says, making the best use. So we're to make the best use of the time. But you might be familiar like I am with the King James Version here where it says to redeem the time. That's li literally what the word says. It's, it's to redeem. We could even translate it to buy back the time that God has given to us. So Paul is calling us to redeem the opportunities and the seasons that God brings into our lives. God is sovereign. And he is sovereign over every detail of your life. Nothing happens by accident. Each day, God gives us opportunities. And we can either seize those opportunities or we can waste them. Now, for some of you, in order to conform your life to this verse, 
you'll actually need to declutter your schedule. Some of us are so busy that we wouldn't even notice the opportunities that God gives to us if we heard a voice from heaven. We're just running here and there all the time. So Paul is actually calling some of you to slow down so you can look around you and see what God is doing in your life. And we can take this verse and we can think that, oh, this just means I need to add one more time of ministry to my weekly schedule. I just need to do one more thing for Jesus. That's not necessarily what he's saying. He may just be asking you to pay attention to what he's already doing in your life. For others, to obey this verse will mean adding a little bit more to your calendar. While there is a proper place for things like entertainment, spending night after night after night binge-watching a Netflix show is just not wise. So it can mean putting down the cell phone, limiting our time on the internet and social media. I mean, think how many opportunities have we missed because we've been staring at a screen. We need to redeem the opportunities. So no matter which extreme you lean towards, this verse has something to say to all of us. And I think its main focus, while we can apply this very broadly, I think the main focus is actually on evangelism. I think this for two reasons. One, the verse is still in the context of Paul calling us to walk as children of light and expose darkness. Right? He's just flowing right off of that. And second, in Colossians, which is a very similar letter to Ephesians, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, Paul said this, and listen just how similar it is to Ephesians 5. He says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Do you see how similar that verse is to Ephesians 5.16? We are to make the best use of the time specifically with outsiders, with unbelievers. The days are evil, and we are meant to redeem them. Our lives are, are filled with opportunities to talk to people that don't know Jesus and to bring the redemption of Jesus to them. So I want you to take some time, maybe later today, sometime this week, and really look carefully at your life. Do what verse 15 is calling us to do. Look carefully. Pay attention. Who has God put in your life that needs to hear about the hope that we have in Jesus? Think about your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Redeem each opportunity that God gives you with them. Don't let those moments just, just, just pass you by. And also redeem the moments God gives you with complete strangers. One of my most, most rich times of evangelism was just talking with another dad at a playground who happened to be an atheist. Don't waste those moments. Let me ask you this, hypothetically. What do you do 
when you're sitting in the waiting room at the dentist. Now, in first service, Mark Evans did remind me that waiting rooms don't exist anymore. Uh, So think back a few months, and hopefully we'll have waiting rooms again at some point. We don't have to wait in our cars forever. But you're sitting there in the dentist's waiting room. What do you do? Do you look at your phone, read one of those magazines, just trying to avoid eye contact with someone else? Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Or do you redeem that opportunity and start a conversation that that could lead to you planting a seed of truth in that person's life? Just redeem those moments. Now, I love this body, and I love hearing stories of of members here who are just living out the texts that we've been studying. I got to talk to uh, a brother this this week who had a God-given opportunity that he redeemed. He was a friend of his, not a Christian. Got in a conversation about current events, political things, and he just redeemed that moment. The conversation went on. They got to deeper things good and evil, justice, injustice, and they got to God, got to His Word. That's what it looks like to redeem the moments. Now, that could have been inconvenient. You know, maybe that wasn't the most efficient thing to be doing. That was a God-given opportunity, and He redeemed it. He was given a chance to shine light, and He did. That's what it looks like. Now, I believe we are also supposed to redeem not not just our opportunities, but our our seasons of life that God has put us in. Now, if you're a mother of small children, redeem that season of life. Use the time to disciple your children, to teach them the truths about God from an early age. If you're an empty nester or a retiree, make the most of that time that God's given you where you can serve Him. If you're at a job that you might not be very fond of, yes, you can pray and seek for another job, but while you're there, God has put you there and redeem those moments with your lost co-workers. If you're in middle school, high school, college, God has surrounded you with unbelievers. Make the most of that season. Talk about Jesus with them. And for all of us, we are in a season of deep difficulty and deep trouble right now. The days truly are evil. Darkness seems to be everywhere, but we are sent by Christ to spread His light in the darkness. When He brings a dark situation before you, Redeem that moment with the light of the gospel. Now, it can be discouraging to feel utterly surrounded with darkness. But that just means that we have more than enough opportunities to spread the light. Let me tell you about a a man named Lewis Puller, or as his uh, men nicknamed him, Chesty. He was the most decorated Marine in American history. In his 37 years of service, he rose from the rank of private to a lieutenant general while fighting in World War II and in Korea. He just looks like a tough dude, doesn't he? Well, at one point 
during the conflict in Korea, General Puller and his men were completely surrounded by their enemies. And that's when he shouted these now famous words. He looked at his men and he said, They are in front of us, behind us, and we are flanked on both sides by an enemy that outnumbers us 29 to 1. They can't get away from us now. Isn't that awesome? He looked at his men and he said, Now we can shoot at them from every direction. They can't get away. That's the perspective we need to have. When God surrounds us with darkness, he's just saying, now the darkness can't get away. It is nowhere to run. This is just opportunity after opportunity to share the gospel. It's the same perspective that, that David had when he was facing Goliath. I love what Alistair Begg said about that text. He said, the people thought, Goliath is so big, he'll kill us. And David thought, he's so big. I can't miss. That's the perspective we need to have. Being surrounded by the darkness is the greatest opportunity we have to share the light of the glory of Christ Jesus. So the last few months have been given to us by God to redeem. And I believe we'll have more months ahead of opportune times. Our society right now is talking about issues like justice and the dignity of human beings, and personhood, and death, and what happens after we die. God has given us so many opportune moments to simply ask the question, do you know what the Bible says about that issue? Try that. Just ask that question when you're in a conversation with someone else. Just say, what do you think God thinks about this issue? What do you think the Bible would say about that? And then just see where God takes that conversation. Now again, it's easy to only look outwards at the world out there and neglect what's going on in here with ourselves. So I want to turn to Titus chapter 3. Now, in Titus chapter 3, Paul reminds us that it's not just evil days for the world, but that's the way our days used to be spent. In Titus 3, verse 3, Paul says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's the way we used to spend our time before we knew Christ. And then in verse 4 he says, But, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And the saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Paul's saying all of us used to spend our lives 
being foolish, doing what's evil. But God has redeemed us. But God has saved us. And He's called on those who believe in Him to good works that He has prepared beforehand. And that's why next, He goes on to talk about the will of God. He tells us that we need to know God's will. So if you turn back to Ephesians... In verse 17, Paul says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I believe that a misunderstanding of God's will has crippled many Christians. Because we want to know what God's will is for our future, we want to be in the center of His will, we can become hesitant about actually making a decision. We want to know exactly who God wants us to marry, to know exactly what job He wants us to have, exactly what what college I need to go to, or what area I need to live in. And if we don't have the right emotions, or we don't feel some form of confirmation, or a sense of of peace, then we're not sure if it's really God's will or not, and it can lead us to inaction, to a form of analysis paralysis. And again, I think this comes from a misunderstanding of God's will. In the Bible, God's will is talked about in two different ways. His secret will and His revealed will. Sometimes you'll hear it called God's will of decree and His will of desire. Now we can see this clearly in a text like Deuteronomy 29.29, where Moses says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. What God has planned for the future is hidden from us. And with the exceptions of a few sneak peeks, like the return of Jesus, God's plans for the future are His secret. That's His secret will. But on the other hand, what God has revealed in the Bible is for us to keep and to live by. His revealed will is here. In the revelation of Scripture. That's His revealed will. So let me give you an example. We know that it's God's will for us not to murder. In the sixth commandment, God says, You shall not murder. So we know that that's God's will. But in Acts 2.23, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching and he says this, Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God whom you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So God's will is that we wouldn't murder. And at the same time, God's will was to plan the death of His Son, which was a murder. Now, if we don't understand the the distinction, then those verses don't make any sense. So, On the one hand, a verse from earlier in Ephesians is is completely true. Ephesians 1 and verse 11, where God says, He works all things according to the counsel of His will. 
all things happen because of His will. Everything that happens comes about because of God's choice. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. Not one sparrow falls to the ground apart from the will of our Father. Now at the same time, 1 Thessalonians 5 is also true. Where Paul says in verses 16 to 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So I can tell you right now what God's will is for your life. Be glad in Him, talk with Him, and thank Him all the time. That's God's will for you. Now that doesn't sound super spiritual, does it? But it's biblical. Now God doesn't tell us how many sparrows will fall to the ground tomorrow. He doesn't tell us beforehand who we're going to marry, or where we're going to work, or where we're going to live. But He does tell us how He wants us to live. We don't need to speculate about what God has decreed for tomorrow. We need to find out what He wants for us today, right now. We see this even back in Ephesians 5 in verses 8 through 10, where Paul says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So what does God want from us? What's His will for us. Well, he wants us to do what's pleasing to him. To bear fruit, which means we are to pursue what is good and right and true. And the only place that we can find out what is good and what is right and what's true is the word of God. That's the only place in the Bible we have access to the mind of God, to the will of God and to His desires for our lives. This is why we need to be in the Word. We need to meditate on the law of God day and night. We don't live by bread alone. We need to feast on the Scriptures. We need to redeem our moments so we can spend time with God in His Word and in prayer. John Piper has this quote, and it's so convicting. He says, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. And I would add, not just neglecting prayer, but also neglecting the Word. We have time. We just need to redeem it. Now, if we are going to ask people around us, we're going to ask them the question, do you know what the Bible says about that? What do you think God thinks about this issue? Right? If we're going to ask them that question, then we actually need to know what the Bible says about that issue. We need to be able to actually respond. So what is God's will for justice? What is His will for human dignity or for racial unity or for life after death or for any other issue? We need to know those answers and we need to know God's word. And by the way, all of those answers will take you straight to the gospel. All of God's answers are related to Jesus. You want to talk about justice? Let's talk about the fact that God is a God of justice. And that the cross is all about justice, about Christ satisfying 
divine justice. Or if you're in a conversation about racial unity, let's talk about what it means to be united in one body through the blood of of Christ. That's the most beautiful and godly thing there is. So knowing the will of God in Scripture helps us to redeem our God-given opportunities. We can't make the best use of the time if we don't actually know what God wants us to do. He says, don't be foolish. Even if you recognize an opportunity God's given you, if you don't know His will from the Scripture, then you won't know how to redeem it. These things are, are linked together. Now, if you're here... And you're not a Christian if you have not repented of your sins and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then redeem this moment. This moment right now. God has brought you here. It's no coincidence. It's no accident. God has brought you here for a reason. And Paul's told us to be wise, not to be foolish. And the most foolish thing that can be done is to walk away from Jesus. The most foolish thing that you could do is to reject the gospel. Because the God of all grace, the God who made you, and the God whom you've sinned against is offering you the greatest gift imaginable, full and free forgiveness through the blood of His Son. Because Jesus has shed His blood to wash away all of your sin. And He lived a life completely in the will of God, always doing what was pleasing to His Father so that now His life can count for you. The Bible says that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power and the wisdom of God. Know that It is the will of God for all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. He takes pleasure when people turn from their sin and find life in Him. So please redeem this moment. Come to Jesus. God has given you an opportunity that you don't want to waste. And if you do, you won't just be wasting your time. You'll be wasting your life and your eternity. Now to my fellow Christians, our mission is to be salt and to be light in a dark and dying world. May God give us wisdom to find His will in His Word so that we can redeem each opportunity and every season that He gives to us. So as we close, Our prayer in the midst of evil days should always be, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son. You have promised us that if we ask for wisdom that you will give it generously. So we're asking now, please give us wisdom. Please make us wise. Help us to redeem each moment you've given to us. And we thank you that you have redeemed us. We thank you that you've given us your will in the scriptures.
Help us to renew our minds so that we would know your will. You would know what you would have us to do. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to live a life worthy of the gospel. God, we thank you for Jesus. We know that in Jesus are hid all the treasures and the riches of wisdom and knowledge. So we pray that we would look to him and that he would be lifted up and highly exalted. So we give all the glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.